Uh, hello and welcome back to the Lack of Depth Football Podcast. My name is Kyle Began and uh, this is a match reaction to Manchester City 2, Liverpool 2 and it will be slightly jaded and exhausted because I've just recorded it for 40 minutes and the file has corrupted. It was 20 minutes but I'm still hurt and that is the first time that's happened and so I'm assuming that's something that happens to people who record things all the time. Uh, but the, f- the first time is the most heartbreaking. Uh, football. From having recorded this already, and now recording it again, I have the benefit of warning you that everything I'm going to say will be a sort of rehashing of the sentence. In a game of such talent, it becomes about character. And then I speak about how I think Trent, De Bruyne, Stones and Walker at various points throughout the game showed that character. But Alisson didn't. And I also think Pep won the Battle of Wits. So, yeah. I'm now going to, in probably an even quicker fashion, sum up my War of Wits. Uh, So, yeah. I'll play the intro music now. So yeah, I think I want I do want to try and highlight and talk through individual performances because I think in the end that's what this game came down to. But I think I'll talk about my main points: the clashing of wits, the two ideologies that each manager came into with this game, and the sort of benefits and disadvantages of them that played out during it. Uh, and then I'll talk through my notes and I'll talk a bit about. Uh, why I might agree with some of the things or disagree with some of the things that uh, you might have heard by the time you hear this podcast about the individuals involved in the game. I'm also saying this now. Uh, I'm recording this before it's been put out on this guy Fantasy Football app who got Man of the Match. Uh, If De Bruyne hasn't got Man of the Match, I'll be throwing a fucking fit. So, yeah, Sky, take it up with me. Uh... Yeah, Pep came on to... I think it's more. It's easier to start explaining this from Klopp's point of view. Klopp played with his usual high line and uh, dropped the line of engagement with the goal of packing the midfield with bodies so that uh, it was much harder for them to be played through and for City to dominate possession in the way that they usually intend to. Uh, and... Before I get into the strengths and weaknesses in that, it's probably easier just to say that um, Pep seemed to have entirely, either have entirely predicted it or have such a competent and composed team that they worked out by themselves pretty much instantly that everyone in their team has the ability to drop into a deep or defensive, to drop deep into the midfield third or uh, exist in the defensive third and float a ball uh, over the top of that high line uh, straight to the feet of the three very, very fast attackers that uh, Pep picked. But I think the fact that he fit, he picked uh, three attackers purely with the goal of having the best runners in behind possible, I think that's probably telling that uh, it's probably, it probably is Pep's fault. I think Pep 
won this war of wits but it finished 2-2 and so how much of a win really is it I also think although City did dominate for long periods of time I think City were always going to dominate for long periods of time I just think it was how threatening the overall nature of their play was that Liverpool should be disappointed with particularly when they're playing them again very soon and I would expect either Klopp to revert away from his really low line of engagement after realising that packing the midfield was quite easy for Pep to counter uh, and just kind of play his normal system or if Klopp was to play the same thing again I would expect City to absolutely dominate that match and come out and, and win you know, 4-1 four, four, or 4-2 four, like they, they could have done today. Um, I also think they could have they could have won today by that amount if uh, Gabriel Jesus and Mares uh, had had made a different decision at, at, at two different points. So, yeah, uh, squaring the ball is good and Pep wants them to do that. So, uh, yeah, those are my general notes. Uh, the so I'm now talk through my notes from the first half because they're quite different to my notes from the second half. The first thing I wanted to highlight, I started watching this. I took a nap, so I started watching this after the De Bruyne goal. But about ten minutes in or so, when I started watching it, the first thing I clocked was the formational dexterity that a lot of uh, people in football analytics, Tifo football, and Athletics writers have forecasted to be significant in the coming years of football. Uh, was was really on show from Pep today, and I think it's telling the fact that of the two managers, he definitely uh, looked like the one who was more prepared, and he kind of relied on uh, his usual, his usual, his usual, sorry, his usual positional fluidity mixed with formational dexterity, swapping from 4-4-2s to 2-5-3s to 3-4-3s in different phases of play. Also having the rotation of the right-back and the centre-back because Stones and Walker can both play those two positions and uh, the two of them rotating from centre-back, wing-back, inverted wing-back roles. I thought that was incredibly interesting. Obviously, this is total football, positional football, so you can expect them to do things like that, but... Having Bernardo Silva occupy centre-back spaces in the same game as playing as a false nine in phases, I think is a fascinating picture of where the game is going. And a point I made near the end of the last recording of this podcast that I thought was quite, I won't say profound, but I thought was one of the only things of analysis I've said in this podcast that was... uh, not fitting to the name lack of depth was uh, I'm so deep was um, oh don't forget it don't forget it don't forget it was that it's in these clashes at the top of leagues and in the latter stages of cups between the greatest minds in football currently that you're able to see the tactical evolutions that it takes to unpick the locks that are currently dominating football at the moment and that is the best picture that we'll ever get of where football is going to be in a couple years' time. And so the fact that Pep is relying on that kind of formational dexterity and fluidity between completely different formations uh, in order to beat the other the other greatest manager operating right now uh, is, is, is fairly telling of where the game is going. 
I also think the fact that Pep won this game through playing his most direct football in years, despite not being that direct, but being very direct for Pep, uh, looked like a, a solid Burnley performance. Uh, it's also telling of the fact that everything in football is about balance and every kind of football is valuable. And so I don't know why that sounded like a pure <laughs> inclusivity speech. But yeah, I think it's telling that there is a place for direct football because both teams are playing pretty direct today and they're the best in the world. To me and I think to everyone else. But um, I don't know, you get Real Madrid fans and stuff that get upset about stuff like that. I'm now just going to quickly talk through some of my notes from the first half. I wrote Kyle Walker, man of the match. He really dropped off in the second half. Yeah, by a mile. <laughs> he was really at fault for the man goal. He played him onside. He just looked to... He didn't look to have lost his head, but I think he just came out the gates focused, ready, composed, uh, and up for it with a bit of grit in his teeth. And uh, with, is it the bit in his teeth or grit in his teeth? I don't know. But he came out that way, and I don't think Liverpool were really ready for him, especially uh, Thiago Alcantara, Thiago Alcantara and uh, and Robertson, who just seemed like they'd been punched in the mouth a lot of the time. It was unfortunate that uh, Robertson was able to be dominated by Gabriel Jesus for the whole first and second half, because if Gabriel Jesus was able to be slightly less selfish, he would have probably gotten my man of the match, but eventually I, I ended up giving it to uh, Kevin De Bruyne, who I think if he doesn't win man of the match, I'm fucking rioting. They didn't announce it on the TV, but I need it for my fantasy football. Uh, Kyle Walker, De Bruyne, Trent, uh, game of individuals, exclamation point, which is a point I iterated a lot. But yeah, there was so much talent on the pitch. Just the people who came out um, looking like they play finals for fun were the ones who were really able to make a difference. And I thought a lot of players were forgettable today. Not a lot of absolute stinkers, but a lot of forgettable performances. And so pe- pe- players with the quality to stand out stood out. With the quality and the mentality to stand out stood out. And those, to me, were uh, Trent De Bruyne and Walker in the first half. Uh, and Gabriel Jesus, I'd say. Uh, mentality demons showing themselves, which again is just the same, the same point. Uh, I, re- I wrote here that um, Klopp obviously had the game plan to force Man City into direct football and living with the fallout of that hoping that their lack of preparation and lack of comfort in that style of the game uh, would would inevitably hinder them but uh, it appears from Klopp's over focus on congesting the midfield uh it kind of allowed City to look like they'd been floating balls over the top of them their whole career. It looked like this is how City always play. It was incredibly comfortable uh, for uh, players like Silva, De Bruyne, Stones, Walker, Cancelo, (laughs) Foden to just the ball over the top. So yeah, uh, City upper hand really fair. And uh, get Trent in the England team fucking now. He has the mentality of a street rat. Again, my point from before, I think a lot of people will pick up on the fact that uh, Liverpool didn't seem to defend particularly well because they turned their backs so flat on the ball over the top, even though it kept coming. They just didn't look ready for it. I don't think Klopp 
had set them up with the goal to be ready for that. I think they set them up to be entirely focused on maintaining as much pressure in the midfield as possible. And so I think a lot of people may think that Trent dropped a stinker in this game because it wasn't a, a shining defensive display from Liverpool. But to me, Trent, good to me, is what I'm saying. I'm saying Trent, good to me, I think. Especially in the second half, he watched that run, he defended it well. I think he was their best defender. Uh, and I think uh, even Van Dijk had a relatively, a fairly forgettable game. A few misplaced passes in there that didn't make him look like his usual cool self. Uh, and then in transitioning into the second half, we obviously went in City 2-1 up and it ended 2-2. So Klopp must have changed something and he did. Uh, he just played Liverpool's normal football. He uh, moved the line of engagement much higher, which didn't mean that the entire midfield could just be bypassed, which is good when you're playing uh, a deep-lying playmaker, a <laughs> defensive anchor, and an essentially sort of wide defensive midfielder. When you're playing sort of all of these defensively orientated players, even though attacking Thiago is an attacking player, he does operate in deep areas. When you're playing all three of them and they're completely unable to affect the ball in the defensive phase, it means that they are the invisible midfield, which I described them as in these notes. Uh, but yeah, that much higher line of engagement that you usually expect and that high press that you usually expect from Liverpool meant that it allowed uh, Liverpool to play onto City rather than play played over all the time. And by stretching uh, their own team, it uh, allowed uh, Jordan Henderson, Fabinho and Thiago Alcantara into the game and so they could start defending in that middle third of the pitch and that was really important to stop them just getting dominated uh, I wrote again on a pitch with that much quality it's about character and then I wrote quote if City win this it will have been De Bruyne's fault and obviously he almost got the assist to win but I think again he came out with the best man mentality of the game he looked like the player with the biggest the most quality and uh, yeah, I think my prediction, I don't know if I said this in this podcast or the last one because I'm starting to go senile now, but uh, yeah, I predicted Kevin De Bruyne to be the best player next season and I said Salah wouldn't be and that prediction I think looks good. So yeah, uh, if they play again on Saturday, Klopp needs to change something. And uh, uh, Yeah, because... If it, if it's like this, uh, it will be bad. Um, Alison dropped a stinker. Thank you and goodbye. <laughs>